going on everyone welcome to the stakes is high podcast the real podcast having real conversation with real people and i am jones what up tc what's good what's happening my brother i'm blessed man how about you blessed more than i should be yes sir you know you know man today is a good day man it is i'm excited for a couple reasons uh not only because of our guest but this is our 200th episode yes 200 had, in, had, man. Had to, be, had to be in town for this one, man. Yeah, you know? man. Yeah, man. Uh, I couldn't do this one from the distance. Couldn't do the, couldn't do the Chicago recording. Yeah, that, so. yeah. It was only right that you hear, man. I know we had a couple plans that we wanted to have on a 200th, but, man, this is – I'm it's actually glad uh, the cards kind of fell into place mm-hmm. where they're at right now. No, so. yes, yeah, this perfect, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, we – I don't even want to talk anymore. I want to get straight to our guest, man. <laughs> yes, yeah. Let's, let me, let's get to it. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so uh, our guest today, uh, I have been uh, before, as of recently, our guest has been on some national platforms. But I'm going to say I've been following our guest way before the the uh, Breakfast Club, uh, Joe Budden Podcast, and Vlad TV. Um, I used to live on Kinnear Street, which is a couple 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 streets down mm-hmm. and uh right. i remember i came to the cafe courtney courtney okay. and i was roommates okay and we was like man let's go get something to eat i've yeah. never been and we just like let's try it out yeah. and uh had some good eating there so um you know i i enjoy with uh this gentleman's doing in the city because this is something that we're trying to do here with our podcast for the culture but uh you know uh without no further ado i want to introduce our guests we have uh Mr. Nori Muhammad, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I could have um, kept going with the no, intro, man, no, but I had to get to it. Please, <laughs> please don't do that. But uh, it's an honor to be on this great, great podcast. Thanks. Uh, it's high. Yes, sir. With you, brother Jones and brother TC. Yes, sir. And um, you know, it's an honor to share space and time with you all. And I'm so proud of your commitment to make it to the 200th episode. Yes. Trying to do something. Uh, that inspires, motivates, and mobilizes our people yes. to take our destiny into our own hands. Mm-hmm. And so um, while everybody is uh, celebrating all of the, you know, trivial things like the stupid bowl, I mean the Super Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, we we trying to do something that scores some touchdowns for freedom, justice, and equality. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we, you know, I, you know, at first initially I started the, the the podcast alone and TC jumped on and ever since then we've been rolling. But like you said, we try to, instead of get on Facebook and, and you know, write a couple paragraphs of what's going on in the culture, we said, let's try to figure out, you know, what, what are you going to do about it? That's you know, right. so that's one of the things that we um, 
why we do it. So, but uh, thank you for having us here uh, at the mosque and taking time out of your busy schedule. Mine, mine. Yeah. Um, the generic question: Who is Nori Muhammad? Oh, a nobody that that wants to be somebody. But not for his own self, but for everybody else, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, I born and raised here in uh, Indianapolis. Grew up right down the street on 40th and Boulevard. Uh, and I've been here uh, in the nation. I came to the nation as a teenager, 17 okay. years old. Um, they 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 watched me. I, I, what happened to me? To you know how we start off. What happened was, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. what happened was, uh, yeah, I realized how dumb I was, mm. and that I was hurt that nobody had ever told me about the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Okay. I was like, how come, Mom? You ain't never seen the brothers on the corners or nothing. Uh-huh. Right, no right. final calls, nothing. Mm. Not even a bean pie. Yeah. And um, so I felt <laughs> when I came in the nation, I felt so far behind mm-hmm. on where I should have been that I start playing uh, knowledge catch up mm. and I start studying. I study eight to 10 hours a day in school while I was in school. And because they see me studying a lot, they uh, asked me to come and stand, say something on the rostrum. Okay. And, uh, and as soon as they asked me to, to speak, I told them, I said, well, I'm not feeling good right now. Maybe another time. And I was feeling fine until they asked me to go on that rostrum. I immediately got sick. Immediately, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then a few days later, had the, another meeting, which was our Sunday meeting, which was a bigger meeting. Mm-hmm. The brother that was our, our minister, he said to me, he said, rumor has it that you were scared to teach. Mm. And you know you can't tell no black man that he's scared. Right, right, right. right, right. Like, yeah. no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> I wasn't scared. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just wasn't feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> he said, well, how you feeling now? I said, I'm fine, sir. He said, well, you own in five minutes. Uh, I was like, well, no, wait. Wait, 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 wait. It's, 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 it's and, uh, <laughs> so they put me on the rostrum. Okay. 17 years old. I'd only been in the nation three months. Mm. And um, I opened up and I was doing an opening. And everybody was standing and clapping and cheering. I was like, this is nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Being supportive of a young brother, mm-hmm. high school student. They yeah. just... So in my heart, I thought that the that the actual uh, applause and, and the accolades were really just a gesture uh, to me being a young person. I didn't think they actually thought nothing of what I was I saying. And I was like, sweet, I ain't never got to do that again. <laughs> but everybody, you know, was talking about it. And then um, I end up, they end up putting me into the ministry. <laughs> and uh, the rest became history. Got so it. I assisted for a while, moved to Chicago, came back. And I became uh, the youngest minister in the nation at the time, which was I, w- I was 20 years old mm. as the interim minister of the mosque, 21, and I became the official minister. Do you remember what that lecture was about? The first, the first time you spoke. My first lecture. Now, in the opening, just was an opening. opening. Okay, okay. So okay. in the opening, I did a breakdown of the flag of Islam versus the flag of the United States of America okay. and the spiritual meaning behind both of them Mm. you know a lot of people don't know this but the american flag was designed by a black man Mm. have you noticed they only talk about who stitched it Mm -hmm. never who made it Mm. 
So we know Betsy Ross of stitched the first flag, mm-hmm. but who designed it? Mm. You know, it was a black man, an African Moor that knew Islam that was a conscious black man that mm. actually designed the American flag. Mm. I didn't and, know that. Yeah. No. You only and, hear, and you he only had, hear it, Betsy. It had, had, <laughs> had a secret meaning to it. Okay. So he had uh, a red stripe at the top, a red stripe at the bottom, which represented the original people saying that we were here in the beginning and we're going to be here in the end. Mm. Six white stripes represent the time that white people have been on the planet 6,000 years and the time that they would be allowed to rule and then we was going to take back over. Mm. Symbol of justice is a star, but it's in the field of blue. And blue is not a real color. It's the color of illusion. It's the color of deception. It really is a product of ether coming from off the earth. Mm. So when you look in the sky, it looks blue until you get up there in the plane. Mm. When you look at the ocean, it looks blue till you get out there in the boat. Right, right, right. It's in the color of illusion. So by putting the star of justice, this black African Moor designing the American flag yeah. in a field of blue, uh, he's of saying illusion. that justice is you being deceived. You're not yeah. gonna get justice in America. We didn't. They didn't even know he was doing it. Mm. So I did that, and then a flag, our flag, and um, that ended up being my opening, and okay. it went over. Uh, really well I know for sure I didn't say it as organized as I'm saying it right now <laughs> but that's that was what my, gotcha. my my topic was gotcha so being from Indianapolis um I've heard you on many platforms uh telling the people who are not from here you know with us being here we understand you know calling it uh clan country yeah and uh I'm from Marion Indiana so the famous yeah. picture of the two gentlemen two brothers hanging that's right so um we're, we're we're very aware of that so mm-hmm. i guess before when you spoke on it you know i understood the the battles but with coming from you know a nation the nation of islam where america have, have has of course labeled you guys of terrorists have labeled you guys of hate group you know everything that the government has done how hard has it been for you in this city you know with the nation of islam as far as you know business and just kind of you know the pressure of Indianapolis government and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 been a struggle, you know. I don't I don't like to try to make uh, every city unique to itself because the the honorable Elijah Muhammad when he wrote his monumental and illuminating book, The Message to the Black Man. It's called The Message to the Black Man in America. Mm-hmm. He didn't make a different one for Indianapolis than he made for New York, right. a different one for for LA than he made for Montana. Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> condition of the black man is the same. We all have been robbed of our name, culture, religion, always folkways, norms, God. We we all have suffered from Willie Lynch. We mm. we all have plantation psychosis, post traumatic slave syndrome. We all have been the victim of the Willie Lynch curse. We sure. we, we have the same conditions. Um, however, the uniqueness of the city of Indianapolis is that. Um, and it's not just Indianapolis. It's what we've noticed moving around the country into different cities. Wherever there is not individual economic hardship, our people do not see a need for collective struggle. Mm. So because the cost of living is low here, whatever city you go in where the cost of living is low, where black people can survive economically on a little, they don't see a need to work collectively together for a collective struggle. Mm. So that is the product that we've seen in Indianapolis and other cities. Um, so the big struggle. Now, I have been arrested seven times. Have you? Since I've been the minister wow. of the mosque. It has, it's been a while, but I have mm-hmm. 
I, they, I even got a badge now. Oh, yeah. They gave me a badge. They, I'm an honorary deputy. And I asked them, I said, well, can I, does this allow me to arrest white people when they start cutting up? <laughs> <laughs> they told me no, but so I, I keep it anyway. Hey, you, but, know how, you know how people. The, what's the badge supposed to do? Um, it's supposed to let you get into uh, conflict and situations that you can resolve easier. That's mm. the goal. Mm-hmm. So let's say that uh, I came to an incident of violence in the city or, okay. or even a fire that I should be able to show the badge and ID and they should give me, uh, without a lot of scrutiny, access to the family members of the, or the victims. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the value of okay. it. Uh, that I know of, you know, that's the only thing that we've attempted to use it for. Other people, I think, have used it for uh, discounts and stuff like that, but I've, yeah. I've never mm-hmm. done that. But mm-hmm. I, if there's an incident and I would like to be able to get to the people, it helps to be able to show that uh, I've been through a background check mm. screening process with law enforcement and the sheriff has deemed that I'm worthy of being a deputy. Okay. So, you know, yeah. I go there and arrest the police. And, no, I don't. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get to do that yet. It ain't, it ain't that, the badge ain't that powerful yet. Hands yeah. on the car. Yeah. 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 Um, you said 17. 17 right. is when you and uh, I want to give you a handshake because we are men in the 40s. We are both in our yeah, 40. I'm, yes. My birthday is February 10th. I'll be 42 years old. So, oh, man. Dude, I, don't I, don't look as good as, I don't look as good as Mr. Norris. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he look like he's 17, man. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one of the things that, you know, I see like a lot of uh, when, when I first uh, realized that you had joined the nation at 17 and the responsibility that you had here at the mosque, um, I thought about people like and i want to talk i want to touch on this because i know you talked about this kobe bryant lebron james where they became professionals at celebrities 17 right 18 and that's a big responsibility and i almost think sometimes were they robbed of their childhood of Mm -hmm. being a true 17 year old like you and i i I bumped my head a few times so the responsibility i kind of wanted to touch on that like do you think you you missed out on some of that or no sir i i didn't because uh the the i learned something it's it's a book out uh called the outliers see if if you can tell them to keep it down over there it's a book called the uh, outliers and um basically the uh, I believe it's Malcolm Gladwell that wrote this it book. Is. That's exactly who. And and he did interviews with people that have achieved what he called a level of mastery in different fields. Bill Gates being one, some others. Mm-hmm. And he came to the conclusion whether it was sports, politics, medicine, uh, community building, whatever it was, that there was a ten thousand hour rule. Mm-hmm. That 10,000 hours of commitment to a craft that you're born to do yes. will allow you to go from good to great, from being a student to the master. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the mathematics of it breaks it down. You can say two hours a day commitment to your craft, you know, in 20 some, 23 years, I think it ends up being you'll get there four hours to get you there half the time. But the, the bottom line is, is that I don't know if he's accurate, but I do know it does take thousands of hours 
of commitment to a craft to go mm-hmm. from good to great, from student to master. Mm-hmm. So for us, as a people, the earlier you can start in life mm-hmm. doing what you're born to do, the faster you will knock out your 10,000 hours mm-hmm. to be able to become uh, great at that. If, if you don't get started till you're 41 and you do an hour or two a day, you're 68, 70 years old by the time you really get it down. But if you start mm-hmm. at 17 mm-hmm. and you're putting in six hours a day, eight hours a day, 10 years, you might be able to go from student to master or from good to great. I don't consider myself to be one that has successfully uh, made it to that level. Mm. I'm still uh, learning a lot. I'm still very hungry for change and hungry for improvement. Mm. And, and I believe that I'm humble enough that, that I can continue to grow fast because mm. that's, what, that's what blesses you to grow fast, humility. So um, I didn't, I, I really appreciate it because I did not know that I was supposed to be a teacher uh, of my people. And then mm-hmm. never never in my life did I ever think. Number one, I didn't think I was going to live past 19. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't tripping on being nothing, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I joined the nation, I told, the, the, I told everybody, I said, look, you will never catch me in no dress shoes or no dress socks. Mm-hmm. I always have on basketball socks and soldiering boots. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do none of that. I don't want no post positions. I don't want to do none of that. All I want to do is be a soldier in the army of God. Mm. Whatever that means, I want to do that. Mm. And then look what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Dress shoes and yeah, all these right. soft socks and <laughs> But needless to say that that was my spirit. Mm. Uh, but while I was speaking, there was a voice in my mind mm. that said very loudly while I was talking, this is what you're born to do. Mm. Yeah. So, and so, I was like, be quiet. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but that's so, what happened. So, at, you know, at 17 and, you know, you know, having that feeling and, and, you know, kind of coming into your destiny and what you feel you were born to do, you know, and making a change in your life, did you ever have pressures, you know, from, you know, your boys or whatever your in the neighborhood, yeah, yeah, friends yeah. around, like to pull you back, you know, in the direction that you're trying to grow away from? Like, how, right. how, how did you deal with that at, at 17? Because, you know, anybody, you know, a kid at 17, like, hey, you know, you're getting pressured when you're trying to do something yeah. positive, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of yeah. take a step back. Like, like how did you deal with that? Well, that that is a true story. Um, the All the brothers that I grew up with, see, I, I grew up on 40th Street uh, during the time of what they called the Baja Boys. Mm-hmm. And Fourth Ward. I was going to ask so you what high school you went to. I went to Northwest Broad Ripple Antec. Okay, another story, another time. <laughs> but, but the, uh, but my neighborhood was the, it was the dope capital mm. of the city mm. at the okay. time in the late '80s and '90s, and I mean everybody, we all sold dope. Mm. I'm talking about we had <laughs> six corners, both sides of the street five to ten people on each side and everybody was making money mm. that's how much dope we were selling oh, so you know when i was young i was i started selling weed when i was 11 and 12 mm. and i was selling powder cocaine as a teenager mm. and me and my partner we we did we sold a half ounce a day and mm. an ounce on the weekends so we was making three to five thousand dollars a piece back then a week 
as youngsters. Yeah. Right. What job gonna pay you that? None. At that age, right, right, <laughs> I would like that now. Right, right, right. But but I learned, but I learned then that I felt myself dying on the inside, mm. and I didn't know what was happening. But I was losing love for what I should love, including my own family, and I didn't like that feeling. And I guess it should happen, you know, for every action. In science, they say there's an equal and opposite reaction. If I'm killing my people, why shouldn't I die on the inside? Mm. So as I'm selling dope to kill my people, I'm dying too. My human characteristics are dying. Yeah. And I, but I learned after trying to stop that it's just as hard to stop selling as it is to stop using because both are addicted. Yes. One's addicted to the dope yeah. itself. One's addicted to the money that comes from mm. selling mm-hmm. the dope, both addicts to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the dope man, really, he's got the right program. He just got the wrong product. Mm. That's mm. the problem. So I stopped, and and when I stopped and came in a nation, all of my partners, you know, they they told me they they spread it a little. They said that I thought I was better. You think you're better than us? You hear that all the time. When so I make said, a no, sir, yeah. brother. I'm not better, but I'm trying to be better. Right, right, right. Not not, and I'm not trying to be better than you. I'm just trying to be better than me, mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. I was was, and and I and I didn't know then what to say, but. That's one of the key things that'll keep you operating in the world, envy and jealousy free and not becoming uh, a hater of your own brother's and sister's success and rise. Mm-hmm. Compete with your past, not your peers. Gotcha. Be greater than your former self. Yeah. Focus on being greater than your former self, not your fellow man. Mm-hmm. So that's, they treated me like that and mm-hmm. for a little while, mm-hmm. but as time went on and I used to cry, they didn't know it. Because I would be over there trying to break down scriptures and show them this and dealing with hog. They'd be going going cooking hog, bringing it downstairs. Pork chop sandwiches <laughs> fresh off the frying <laughs> pan right in my face. And I didn't, you know, I would go home and cry, hurt. Yeah. But yeah. the brother that I was in, that I sold dope with, came and joined the nation. Okay, nice. My uh, cousins that live next door, they came in the nation. Mm. Uh, my other partner friend came in the nation. Mm. My first best friend that I had whenever I was in kindergarten, he joined the nation in prison and got out. Mm. So all of them, you know, a lot of them end up oh, making it. Yeah, Thirteen of the brothers I grew up with got life in prison, mm. and they are still in jail, and they've been there since 1995. On, and, um, you know, one of, the, one of them, uh, he's not out. But his son has the same name, and he joined the nation. Wow. So, you know, over the time, truth wins. Right. So they yeah. were like that in the beginning, but I didn't. I never responded, uh, you know, in, in the way that they brought it. I always, you know, took it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember um, the first time that I heard about the Nation of Islam, uh, my uncle my uncle was in the military Mm. and he came back and I remember um, I was playing, I was big in hip hop Mm. and he was playing the X clan and he started teaching me and just started, you know, teaching me, he he was going kind of deep. I'm young, you know, I'm just listening. Like, and and, uh, I think what happened was it, it was a time to where I respected him as my uncle. So I was like, what he's saying must be true, you right. know? Uh-huh. And uh, he was telling me, you know, he was breaking down the Asiatic black man and Africa that where the name came from, you know, he was giving me all that information. And, you know, I, it was at a moment where I was proud to where I was like, yo, my, I see the, 
the smiling on my uncle's face and it looked mm. like he was you know it was something that was like for black folks you know mm. don't eat pork and you know but I guess my question to that is uh I was young then you know I probably was 10 years old like I don't you know however mm. old I was mm. <clears throat> but as time had went on and I remember in the mid 90s I remember I think I talked to you about this before we even had um Mr. Uh, Nori Muhammad come on and I said there was a time and period where I think they're the black comedian and black comic comedy and it became to where it was almost like they were making mockery of the nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. Every comedy show you say, you see a dude, I heard you call it before, the steak and shake bean, bean the steak and shake bow tie, and, and that, the yeah. bean pie, my brother, or, you know, it made it, it, it was almost like the joke, you know, yeah, and yeah. I, I guess my concerns was along even with today with the internet, and you see how you have all these different, you know, you know, groups stepping out. How did that affect the nation of Islam as far as like, you know, enrollment, people coming in and joining and everything like that? Man, Brother Jones, that's a very deep question. It has so many layers to it, Brother mm. TC, because because this is what happened. See, when X-Clan, what, what, what happened was that, keep in mind, J. Edgar Hoover's counterintelligence program. That should have been a red flag off at the top. The fact it's called a counterintelligence is against intelligence. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But he said his goal was to prevent the rise of a black messiah that could unify and electrify uh, the black nationalist movement. Mm -hmm. So, see, he's a government official looking for a messiah to come. Mm -hmm. And he's looking for somebody that is going to be able to pull all of the groups together, all the factions of struggle together under one umbrella. And there has never been one like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad or like the minister that has been able to pull our people together and represent that messianic message that reforms and educates and cleans up black people like they've been able to do. Mm. So what happened was in the 80s and the 90s, mm. there was an unofficial alliance that hip-hop had made with the Nation of Islam. Mm. Almost all the rappers that were the main rappers of the time. I remember this. They claimed either nation or 5%. Yes. And the 5% nation is a, a branch of the nation of Islam. Yes. Under Clarence 13X, mm -hmm. a father of law who was a youth minister in the mosque who went out in the streets to gather young people. But the teachings are there. Yes. Mm -hmm. So brand Nubian. Mm -hmm. Poor righteous teachers. Yeah. Ex-Clan. Yeah. You know, Queen Latifah. See, you had all of these these artists. Then Cube, when he mm -hmm. came out with Death Certificate, he really I think he uh, highlighted he, a nation. Oh, he was bringing, he was bringing. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was. But but my point <laughs> is is that the main most popular form of hip hop, and and music, music is the universal language of a people. Mm -hmm. So teaches the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Whatever you want to know about it, what a people are thinking, listen to their music. That That's tells you their music. their mindset. But music also forms the universal thinking of a people. So when they, they, they weren't hip, mm. the ATF, the government, the synagogue of Satan, the rich white people in power, the enemy, they did not, they, wait a minute, running around with these X caps on, mm. African medallions, I remember Big Kente Daddy. cloth, red, yeah. black, and green, I yeah, yeah. Big brothers, Daddy sisters, yeah. black fists. <laughs> Yeah. You got Big Daddy King. I remember he said that. You got, you, come Make on, you can't fit the God, him, God MC, rock, rock <laughs> yeah, him, no yeah, pork yeah. on my fork, strictly fish on my dish. Yeah. All praise is due to Allah, and that's a blessing. Yeah. So you had all of these artists, which were the biggest artists of our time. Mm -hmm. 
in an unofficial alliance with the nation of Islam. So they were automatically shaping and molding the opinions of young people to want to study us. So the enemy had to figure out a counter approach. Mm. Number one thing he did was he shifted it from conscious rap to gangster rap. Mm. So you got to remember that there's only six media companies in the world. Six. I don't care what you're looking at, whether it's cable, whether it's social media, whether it is radio, six companies own all distribution of information for the world. Mm. And ain't none of them us. So whenever they, the gatekeepers, decide that they're going to renegotiate something, they say, all right, you want a contract? Mm. All right, I know it's, man, I love, I love it. It's 30 Lil Wayne's that they showed up. <laughs> 30 of y'all here. Right, 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 Let right. me find out which one of you all are going to do what I want you to do mm. versus what the other 29 are going to do. Man, it's a brother that can flow just like, but but he's, he, he hey, wait a minute, he's talking a little too black and a little too strong. Mm -hmm. So they pick and choose those that are going to fit the agenda of keeping us down, which automatically keeps them up. So they did that. And then with the comedy, our struggle, we've always used comedy, we've always used music as a way of giving secret messages to our people. So now if I hijack comedy and I make every black comic make a joke about the nation, then I can take away the serious perspective that people have developed from listening to these rappers that are talking serious about Farrakhan, serious about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, yeah. serious about Nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll change their, their thinking. Um, but it, you know, all things work for the good. Yeah. Yeah. For those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Yeah. So there's a thing we used to talk call when when somebody tried to do something, call it backfiring on you. Mm -hmm. It backfired. Yeah. yeah. So any, what they found, and they said it in the counterintelligence program. You know what they said about the nation? They said, be careful. Giving any attention to the nation of Islam, even negative. Because the negative attention may. Is that me? <laughs> 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 Get mad at what we talking That's about. That's it. Right, right. There it is. They listening. Right. Shut, right. Up. Right. Shut right. up, Siri. Uh, this ain't for you. <laughs> so, but point is, is that the uh, uh, that alliance that we had, they went in and they started doing a counter plan, and they knew that even negative attention to the nation would generate curiosity. Is what they said, mm. which would cause people to come and be interested, and, and then they might hear it and join. Mm. So we had a lot. Still, curiosity. Right. Yeah. yeah. From right. In Living Color. Yeah. You know, curiosity from the jokes that people were making. Mm. And uh, it backfired mm. on them. So we didn't have a negative. Right. Uh, right. We had a positive. Right. right. From the negative. Because all things work for the good. Yeah. I, uh, sure. the first time that I, uh, I, I saw, uh, Minister, Minister Live was at, um, is uh, Martin Martin University, uh, you know on the east side. It's mm -hmm. east side, yeah, the the college mm -hmm. over there. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I saw him twice. Uh, well, he was here. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was here at Martin University, and then uh, it was a uh, it was a satellite at one of the schools. I yeah, can't, I, yeah. I can't remember what that. Was, but it was that was years ago. But anyway. Um, 
so the first time I went to hear him live, you know, live there, and it was uh, it was very interesting, you know, just like when we came here, it's you know just seeing you know the brothers that's on point you know mm. making sure you know they they it's very ordered there's a very you know it's it's very ordered you know there's a lot of order it's structured in order and uh but think about you know it was even more, it was it was very detailed going to see him live and uh you know it it was it, it lasts about four hours but it didn't seem like it yeah you know and I'm about, I'm very, I enjoy energy. And when he stepped up, man, it was like this energy went through the room that was, I'm like, it, it was just, it was amazing, you know? So, um, and I, I remember remember seeing you there and it was just one of the times, the first time I, I saw you, you know? But but going, but basically going to that, I know you told a story, uh, how you were introduced, you know, to the minister, Louis Farrakhan. Uh, can you can you expand on that? Because I thought it was very interesting. Uh, you, I don't think you talked. You, you kind of put it in there, and, and it, you know, I think it was on Vlad. He kind of went somewhere else with it. But I thought it was very interesting how you you know you met him. I was uh, when I be, got into came in the nation, of course, seventeen, and then I, now I'm on the rostrum, learning, teaching, and in my mind, I thought that the best way that for me to be able to to be what I'm supposed to be, I need to go to our headquarters, and be there and learn how to to teach. Uh, and maybe come back or whatever. I didn't know. So I had li- I lived in Chicago mm-hmm. when I was uh, 19. And when I was there, I had already gotten married. And my wife was pregnant. And she was still here. But I was working for one of our security companies. And uh, there was a brother beating a sister with some handlebars to a children's bicycle. She was beating her with it in mm. the hallway. This is late at night, maybe 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And I came out and seen it and broke it up and stopped him from hitting her with the handlebars. And he grabbed a metal pole and started trying to get her hit her with the pole. And I told him, no, sir. No, you're not doing that, brother. Told her, go, leave. Mm. She ran, and then he swung the pole at me. I put my arm up and blocked it. Uh, but... But I, of course, put my arm up, block. he chased her down, went to her apartment. I went over there. There were some of our brothers there that were working for the company as well. They end up uh, being, he was busting her windows out, and they were out there with a pole, swinging it at, at them. But I had on a trench coat, and I came up the stairs and threw the trench coat on him mm. and hit him and held him down. And lo and behold, you won't believe what happened there. While I was holding this brother down on the ground, the sister that we were protecting came out with a butcher knife and tried to stab me in my neck. You? Yes, yeah. me. I mean, it was, and was close to getting so me. So I heard the story. So we grabbed, well, I grabbed her arm, and then they grabbed her, pulled her off, knocked the knife out of her hand, and we left the situation alone. But we were going down the stairs, and uh, as we were moving, the... He had called everybody. This is, this is Rockwell Gardens. At the time, you know, you ain't getting on the elevator. Stairs is what you're going to mm-hmm. do. This is basically like a penitentiary project. And we on the way down maybe nine flights of stairs, talking, thinking everything's over. Mm-hmm. And we, I get down the stairs and see a group of maybe 20 brothers. And all of them acting like they're getting ready to shoot, whatever. Bats, mm-hmm. they got poles, they got 
they looks like they have guns. They're kind of far away. Gotcha. So I'm, we, I'm thinking we're moving toward them because that's the code, you know. Our code is is that if you're going to fight, if you, if you fight, you don't, you don't ever let the enemy shoot or stab you in the back, which means you never run. Mm. We don't run from the battle. We run to the battle. So I'm going toward them saying, Allahu Akbar, God is the greatest. And I'm assuming that the brothers that worked there was going to be with me, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. So I was by myself. Mm -hmm. Got to them. Wait, wait, they left? The they left. They left. They, they were some, they were some, <laughs> they, were, they were some employees that mm. weren't yet really trained mm. uh, like that. So they, they were, they were coming into training you. and fighter so, fight kicked in. Yeah, they gone. <laughs> they gone. And then they I'm blew. there <laughs> with all the brothers. Mm. And, uh, I knew I was the supervisor, so I knew the one of the heads of that the gang that it mm. was. So he was out there, and I said, "Brother, look, nobody, he, nobody jumped your brother. This is what happened." And he told everybody, "Everybody, cool out. Everybody, cool out." So me and him, we walking away. While we're walking away, I get cracked in the side of the head with a bat, mm. and turn around. All I could do was grab the person that hit me with the bat. We went to the ground, and then. You know, they beat me yeah, almost to death. But I never felt any pain, mm. ever. Even the first blow, I didn't feel it. And they said I never was unconscious. In your healing process. But I was, I was messed up. I was messed up bad. I mean, I, you said something you healed pretty quick, though, after yeah, that. Yeah, I had a scab that covered this side of my face all the way down to here. A cut from here to here. All of this was swollen. My head was, I mean, I had a real pumpkin head. All swollen jaw. Mm. I was messed up. And uh, I was so messed up, I didn't understand why everybody that was visiting me at the hospital was crying. Grown men. Mm. I was like, what is going on? Because <laughs> I don't feel nothing. <laughs> you didn't see yourself. I'm like, man, why is everybody crying like yeah. this every time they look at me? It's like, I'm just going to be I'm good. I'm going to yeah. be okay. Mm. And I asked the nurse, I said, excuse me, uh, can, can I see a mirror? She said, well, I have to check with the doctor first. I said, you got to check with the doctor before you show me myself. Mm -hmm. So I knew then something wasn't right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she left. I took the little bag off and walked over to a mirror. And I looked at the mirror. I said, man, this must be some strong drugs because that cannot be me. Mm -hmm. And laid back down. Really, I was so messed up that I did not recognize myself. So I really thought I was under the influence of pain medicine. Mm -hmm. So I'm really disoriented. Mm -hmm. I got home the next day and stopped taking the medication, slept. I was sleeping 20 hours a day. Right. And I looked in the mirror. I said, oh, I don't have, this is me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, how do you make a positive out of a negative? And mm -hmm. I was by myself at the time. And I started making jokes to myself. I said, well, brother, you know, you had a pretty good run. Mm -hmm. You came up in the air. Well, being short and light skin was in style. <laughs> <laughs> Having curly hair was in style. And you was blessed. You were short, light skin, with curly hair. Yeah, you yeah. had a good run, brother. But for the rest of your time, you, you know, you ain't going to be about that. Yeah. So don't eat. But you'd had a good run. So I joked about it. But uh, I healed in three days. Yeah, that was amazing. Completely That's, healed. That was the part that was amazing to me when you said that. Mm. I'm talking about all the way. No scabs and no marks. You can't see no cuts. No. I mean, my other cuts are from some other stuff. But And I, when I seen the minister, 
he asked uh, about he had pictures of Polaroid pictures of me damaged and was talking to everybody because the brother that had uh, hit me with the bat was bragging mm. about you know they calling on that Allah Akbar and uh, we did this to him and and he was he was found dead the next day somebody shot him in his head five times mm. so naturally they want to blame us yeah. for it so it became a major conflict over there but the minister came to resolve it and the minister said that our brother's going to live talking about me mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he's going to be damaged but he's going to live and his son told him he said Dad, he's right there and I came up to the table he had called me up there and he just started looking at the pictures touching me everywhere that I had the damage and he told me, he said, there's no way that any human being could heal this fast if they're not a servant of God. Mm. He said, I want to speak to you after this is over. I'm like, yes, sir. And, uh, you know, later that, that day he told me uh, that I was one of the greatest soldiers that the nation of Islam has ever produced. And he knew me even though you didn't think I did. I already know about you. Mm. And he told me, one day you're going to do a great work for me. I'm like, really? But, you know, uh, the servants of God's words are not in vain. And um, I pray to Allah that I don't do anything uh, to disqualify myself to void that prediction. Mm-hmm. But that's what he said. And um, I'm striving to catch up with that mm. uh, every day. But that was when I was 19 years old. And I met him. And uh, I've been striving to stay consistently uh, in the process and on this mission of resurrecting and restoring our people. So with one of the, uh, with, with that being said, <clears throat> excuse me, with that being said, with him being banned from social media, mm-hmm. have you guys had to take on the task or the responsibility to be more visible yes. during social media and, you know, putting, you know, being out more. Ex- and then that's the right response. See, See, if Farrakhan is in us and they take him off, then we should work so hard that we want to make you take all of us off. So we are taking his words straight from him in video and audio form, putting it out there. Mm -hmm. And we're taking his words and putting it in us and then putting it out there. So um, that is the way you you, you can't you'll never get rid of Farrakhan. Listen, I'm saying he will never die. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's an idea. It's almost like the. The, the saying that you told TC and I before we start recording, mm. you know, the about time, what, what, what? You know, the, the day when you said that your, your grandmother or the. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's an idea mm. whose time has come from God. You'll never be able to stop mm. him. So he's touched millions of us and we're going to echo it. But I was sharing a p- point to the viewers I was sharing something. I, my wife was leaving the office, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I I made a statement to her that we always joked about. And I said, uh, uh, i see you tomorrow, no later than today. Yeah. And I was explaining where it came from to yeah. Brother TC yeah, yeah, and Brother yeah. Jones is that it it my great aunt, a couple of days before she had passed, she visited our house with my grandmother and my mother. And when she left, she said, i see you tomorrow, no later than today. And she was losing her senility. So we was thinking, oh, man, she don't know what she's saying. <laughs> but the question is, did she know what she was saying? Mm. So we've been using that 
And, uh, you know, there's the, the study of a wrinkle in time. But she's compressing time together. If I see you tomorrow no later than today, I'm here now. And when I'm gone, I'll still be here. Mm. So that kind of spirit. Right. And, and uh, see, the thing about the, about the minister, whatever makes you is the only thing that can break you. Social mm. media, media did not make Farrakhan. Mm. Farrakhan has been teaching, listen to this, six generations yeah. of people. Yeah. So he's, he's some of us, the first time Farrakhan became known wasn't from YouTube. Right. We right. knew Farrakhan from DVDs and CDs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from we, we knew yeah. Farrakhan from VHS and audio <laughs> right, cassettes. Right, right. Yeah. So, some people actually knew the minister from eight tracks and albums. There we mm. go. That's how long he's been on this yeah, battlefield. Yeah. So so the idea and the mind and what he's taught people that are in the nation and that are in the nation in the world but don't know they're in the nation. Right, right, right. He's impressed upon the genetic memory of generations of people, ideas, concepts, and, and really uh, power thoughts that people are using to govern their life and pass on to their children one generation after another. Facebook right. didn't make Farcon. Facebook can't break Farcon. No. Instagram, yeah. Twitter, y'all, you didn't make Farcon, so you can't break right. Farcon. And we're going to work so hard, we're going to make you ban all of us. That's what I was going to say. And you got your so they, 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 they got me on Facebook right now. They stopped my Facebook lives mm. and they sent me a threatening letter. Serious. Yep, my uh, on one of my accounts. <laughs> <laughs> they sent me a threatening yeah. letter yeah. saying that uh, your uh, speech has come up. Uh, hate speech, borderline hate speech, yeah, and you are under right. advisory that we are we have the right to cancel your involvement uh, anytime you like. You'd have to you have to sign off if you ever want to put anything up again. Basically, mm. sign now. So I had to sign to even be on there now, and they threatened that more than likely they're gonna get us later. But you know we we gonna do what we can with what they have while 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 we can do it. And uh, at the end of the day, the nation and the minister wasn't made. By social media, yeah. yeah, I had read. Oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was. I don't know if you was diving in on that a little more. I was gonna um, ask more about the, the whole. Even though I'm not here, I'm still here, and you know, ask a little bit about like your meeting today. And I know you, you, yeah. you talked about Kobe Bryant, and, and you know, with his passing, you, you see a lot of that. Even though I'm not here, I'm still very much so relevant, yeah. and you know someone living on you know past death so i just wanted you to dive Man, in a that, little bit the, more about you know, that there was about. a statement brother tc that mm -hmm. my teacher the honorable minister Louis falcon made one time we were wasn't a lecture we was in a conversation but but he said this he said even with death there's always more good than bad mm. now you tell that to a person that has lost their husband or their child it's a very hard thing to see. Mm -hmm. But look at the death of Kobe Bryant and the little sister Gianna and the other seven. Look at what it's done. It's become a cultural touchstone that has everybody in reflection on what's really most more valuable and more important than the stuff that we're spending a lot of time on. Mm -hmm. So this hashtag, Girl Dads, yeah. is coming out that yeah. brings a greater respect for our daughters and for women. Look at the impact mm. of that. How many people have you seen writing poems and spending time? And how many how many fathers have you seen showing pictures with their daughters? Look at look at what it's doing. Mm -hmm. See, it has people now that uh, today they're at the kitchen table 
with their mothers and their fathers. They're calling their grandparents. They're going to visit their loved ones. They're yeah. they're, they're, how, how many texts, how many calls to people? Mm -hmm. So look at the movement uh, of, of I'll, I'll call it a love now movement mm -hmm. that is the byproduct of him leaving. Mm -hmm. So his death and his, and his daughter's death and the other's death has become fertilizers to, to make us think about what's more important. So, and I was sharing today a, uh, sta a statement. Time is non-refundable. Mm. You can't get back time. Nope. Mm -hmm. we, we started this program 35 minutes ago. We can't go back. Mm -mm. Right. We can't even get back them 35 minutes. Right. Nope. So you can't go back years. So all we have is now. Whether it's a good time or a bad time, all we have is this time. Right. So whatever this time that you and I have is good or bad going on in our life, we have to do our part to show love now for what we love and who we love. And don't wait to, to, to you know, when I get my money right and when I get this done. Yeah. Now do it right now. Yeah. Show everybody that you love that you love them. So, so a question I have, like I, I agree 100%. Um, one thing that we bring up on the show uh, multiple times, we talk about, you know, especially when we speak about social media, talk about a microwave society, how people are, are one way, you know, they're, they're in the moment for now, and then that moment passes and they kind of forget. So like with all the positive that is coming from Kobe Bryant's you know, death and passing, his daughter's passing, and the others involved in the, in the accident, um, how do we take it past just the moment? How do you make yeah. that last? You know, how, how do you not make it, you know, be quick, microwave? Like, okay, yeah. a month later, two months later, right. the uh, hashtag girl dad isn't, you know, is, there's no yeah. more, it's not trending anymore. There's no more action right. behind it. The mama mentality, there's no more, more action behind it. And we've moved on to the next thing. But how do we keep this positive rolling? We cannot rely on the media. Mm -hmm. Print it visual or social mm -hmm. to make something good and right trend among us as a people mm -hmm. period media is an acronym stands for the most effective devil in america <laughs> they're not about the good they only are covering it right now because of the sensationalism and the amount of attention they can get for the commercials their they can put on benefit. that they can make more money off mm. of by having more viewership and listenerships. They're not, they do not give a damn about Kobe Bryant or his daughter, these people that run media. Mm. So my teacher, the Honorable Minister Louis Falcon said this, he says it takes 21 days to break a bad habit and replace it with a new good one. So our personal challenge to those that are on the stakes is high viewing audience and listening audience our personal challenge should be, let's keep this going, this love now movement. Let's keep this going for 21 days. And if we do it personally in our own life, love now won't be a social media trend. It won't be a hashtag girl dads. It'll become a habit. And a habit is something that requires no conscious effort. When you have a habit, when you make something a habit, it becomes as natural to you as blinking or breathing. And if we can get love now as as habitual and as normal as blinking and breathing, we're going to have a much better community and a much better world. Right, right. So it's our challenge to do that. We cannot yeah. wait on the social engineers or these architects 
of confusion or these spin doctors or these demons that run media to do it they don't care nothing about they don't care they care about their money and their bottom line Come on. Yeah. they don't care anything <laughs> about <laughs> spirituality family building no. they don't they're not concerned no. right. with the development of a righteous moral society that loves and honors and respects one right. another right. right i had a it, it's kind of built piggybacking off that and i heard you talk about something that was i think it was on the breakfast club and i thought it was so it was so powerful because it's something something else we talk about often on here and uh we talk about us as a people us as black people coming together as one is that reality is that is that is that is that possible and something you talked about that was very uh i thought like i said was very powerful you talked about uh being united or uniformity versus unity yes 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 can you touch on that well we we have um unfortunately we've been talking unity I don't care who you interview, whatever generation it came from, ask them, what do we need to do? We just got to unite, got to come together. Ask people from the 70s, 50s, 60s, 40s, what do we need to do as people? We just got to come together. We got to unite. If we unite, we'd be able to do. And they're telling the truth. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that our unity is more powerful than a nuclear or an atomic bomb. And the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said this. He said, our unity will solve 95% of our problems immediately. Mm. That's not, not, that means only 5% of our problems would exist mm. if we just came together. Our problem is that we have a misunderstood word. Mm. We've been saying unity, but in our mind we're thinking uniformity. Uniform. And anybody that's ever read a book knows that if, when you're reading, uh, what we found in basic study is that if you come across a word that you don't understand, don't know the real definition of, and you keep reading, whatever you read from that point is a blank in your mind. You have mm. to stop and look up the word to be able to continue to read and absorb the knowledge after that. Mm-hmm. But what happens in life when we got a movement, but we are using a word that we don't really know the definition of, it's a misunderstood word. Yes. So the same way that reading would make the rest of what you read a blank, the rest of our struggle has been a mm-hmm. blank in the history of us as a people Cause moving forward because unity. we think in uniformity. Mm-hmm. See, uniformity is a biological, a mathematical impossibility. There are no two people that are alike. Voice patterns are not alike. Pupils are not alike. Fingerprints are not alike. There's not even an identical snowflake or blade of grass. Mm -hmm. Everything that you see is unique. See, before you, there never was another TC. Mm -hmm. And after you, there'll never be another one. It never has been you, and there never will be you again. You're the one and the only. Right. Can't nobody be TC but TC. <laughs> Even if you have a Word. son naming TC. Even if right. you name him Junior, he's still right. Junior. Yeah, yeah, he still he, he the yeah. second, but he got some of his own self and some of you, but he right. ain't all you. Right. But so yeah. unity with us. See, uniformity means that everybody looks the same, acts the same, dresses the same, does the same thing at the same place at the same time. That ain't mm. never going to happen. Everybody not going to be Church of God in Christ. Everybody not going to be Baptist. Everybody not going to be Hebrew Israelite. Everybody not. We are not going to all be the same. We are not a monolithic people. So, but unity is when you do different things at a different place at a different time, but for one common cause. Mm. So the body in our book, Holy Quran, there's a verse that says, I, God, created you in the best of modes or best of forms and surely there is a message in creation mm-hmm. for those who understand well mm-hmm. look at the creation of the best of modes mm-hmm. this is not an example of uniformity all our organs in our body don't look exactly the same and do the same thing at the same you got many different organs 
look different, do different things at a different time, but for one common cause, the survival of this one black organism. Mm. What would happen if our black organizations? Don't like that. Did you catch that? Organization. So NAACP, Urban League, Nation of Islam, Church, whatever you're a part of, you're supposed to be something. Liver, kidney, heart, brain, do your job. Live up to your mission statement. And if we all did that, we could be working at different places, at different times, doing different things, but for the survival of one black organism called our people. Do you think it's, uh, do you think the issue is <clears throat> trying to find that foundation, what our, what the purpose is, or do you think it's people not understanding that each individual has a different role of what they're supposed to be to find whatever that end of that purpose is. It's D all of the above. I got you. It's both. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not either or. It's both and. Who's the leader here? Yeah. So <laughs> so that's kind of the, that's the problem. And and there was a word used yesterday by brother uh, Kevin Gross. I think I'm saying his name right. He's a chemist that has a business right here in Indianapolis on 16th and Lafayette Road. Uh, he's a develops his own skincare products as a chemist. He's a professor and also has healing teas. Uh, Black-owned business. But mm-hmm. this brother used a word yesterday called collaboration. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think he realized how profound it was. But collaboration allows you to keep your personal pride intact while you're still coexisting and cooperating with your brothers and your sisters. Mm-hmm. See, the reality is, is that everybody is not good at the same thing. Right. But we all good at something. Right. And, and the minister said this. He said, I've never met another human being that is not my superior at something. Think about right. that. Mm. Right. So, you, you it, see, superiority right. is not based upon knowledge and skill as much as is it based on circumstance mm-hmm. and what skill and knowledge you can bring to the circumstance. So if my car is broke down, I do not want the heart surgeon. Right. <laughs> that's real. I don't want it. I don't want oh, you. Look, don't even step to it. I, I want. I want that brother that's gonna come in there, touch that spark plug, yeah. lick his fingers. I tell you, it's, it's the carburetor. Yeah. yeah right. you know, I want him. Yeah. I, want him I, want him, I want his fingernails. Yeah, to be I want dirty. him. Now. I want that one. <laughs> the oil of his joints. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, at the same time, if I, if I accidentally cut my hand chopping up vegetables, and it's a deep wound, mm-hmm. I don't want my barber. I want a surgeon. Mm-hmm. I want a doctor. So now, who's the superior? See, the superior is the circumstance and the one that has the skill set for the circumstance. So in a case where your car is broke down, the mechanic is superior to the surgeon. Mm-hmm. In a case where your hand is cut, the surgeon is superior to the doctor. But just because you know how to move in arteries and clip this vessel and do that and transplant that, that doesn't mean I want you sitting down trying to get my line right. <laughs> right, 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 right. I need the barber for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yeah. barber is the superior when I need a haircut. Yeah, exactly. The surgeon is the superior when I need surgery. And the mechanic trumps the barber and the surgeon whenever I need my car fixed. So we're all superior. So unity means I collaborate, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it's not so much the individuals that's causing the problem. It's the leadership of the organizations. Mm. This God bless me and my organization and nobody else mentality mm. has us all messed up. Yeah, yeah. And and mm. that's why the spiritual maturity 
that you see exhibited by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in the nation. Because you notice we we don't trip. We quote Bible. We quote Quran. Mm -hmm. We we don't we don't care whether or not a Christian got violated or a Jew or Hebrew Israelite. It don't make no difference. We coming to your aid. I was gonna ask about because you are brother. And y'all talk y'all bring Jesus. Y'all yeah. talk and about we Jesus. Teaching on, I was gonna ask about like misconceptions. But, yeah, well that's you know, one of the big ones. <laughs> Christianity um, well, we, and. and we, we, we believe in Jesus. The only difference between us and the world is we believe in the right Christ and not the white Christ. Mm. We, we, we don't believe in no a white. There never has been a white Jesus. The Jesus, white Jesus, that's a picture of Michelangelo's cousin. Right, right. Mary is Michelangelo's mother, and the baby Jesus was a baby picture of Michelangelo's little cousin. Mm. This is not the original image. They continue to use that. No, this yeah. ain't the hair like lamb's wool, feet like brass burned <laughs> yeah. in the oven. You know, yeah. complexion like that of an olive. Yeah. You know, sawed in yeah. stone. That's know? the first thing my uncle taught me. One of the, he was like, "Let me show you something." Yeah. So I'm sitting there soaking it up. As like I said, I was a young boy. Man. Right. And right. So, and, and and it is. Uh, there's a book out that's not in print anymore. It used to be called Psych Wars. Um, and in the book, the Dr. Jones he he does a study um, on putting the brain of black people under, uh, I think, the EEG. And as he's looking at the electrical current moving through the brain and the damage that's done to the brain, he found what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said was true, that lies destroy your brain. That's what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said. Every time a lie is told to you, it damages your brain. Mm -hmm. He verified that when you tell a person a lie, it does have an, an impact on the function of areas of the brain. Mm -hmm. But what he found, Dr. Jones, is that the most destructive lie ever told to the black psyche was that Jesus was a white man. Mm. You know why? Because whenever you logically compute Jesus is white, if Jesus is white and Jesus is the son of God, if the son is white, then the father has to be white. Yeah. Well, if the father is white and the father is God and God is love and God is good, and, and wait a minute, I'm black and black is the opposite of white. If I'm the opposite of white, I'm the opposite of love, good. I'm the opposite of God. And we've never said this out loud, but subconsciously, we think it. If we didn't, we wouldn't treat each other as bad as we do. And in reverse, if a white person is looking at that image, mm -hmm. of course, it's going to, you know, you're going to. It gives yeah, them they, false they, they, pride. They're going to push that. Yeah. 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 And, it, and, it and it just gives them a different, even not even saying anything. It's just if I see someone who looks like me and it's being praised, I'll feel good about it. Yeah. Well, that's where, that's where motivation comes from, you know. Unfortunately, um. See, black and white children start school the same way. I'm talking about preschool. Let the little child of a white mother or a black mother go into preschool. Both the children are holding on to their mother's legs, crying. Neither one of them want to go to school. <laughs> yeah. But by the time they matriculate through uh, 12 years of the public food system, I mean school system, <laughs> by 12 years of that, uh -huh. Einstein, 12 years of George Washington, 12, 12 years of, of, of Newton, 12 years of Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates, 12 years of Columbus. By the time they get finished learning about all these white people that were great, you'll see that the white child begins to stop having slow movement like they did when they started school with their shoulders drooped down. They begin to have their back straight, chest out, shoulders held high. They, they move ready to conquer the world. When we leave, our head's still down because we didn't learn nothing about people that look like us mm. that did great things in the past, and our pants is down too. <laughs> we got to teach at home, so, so So what has to happen with us... Yeah. Um, and is that in order for us and then think about this white people are operating see see 
how can I say this? There is no such thing as white supremacy. White supremacy is fake. Because mm. white is not supreme. White came from black. Black is not a color. It's the essence from which all color came from. The first people on the planet, people looked like you and me. Mm. Well, not like me. I'm a little more yellow than y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the first people on the planet was black. And then after that, through grafting, through through all of the uh, uh, genetics and through selective uh, uh, proce- process, then, then you start seeing these races. Right, right, but so, so so white is not supreme, period. But they are operating in a position of supremacy off of a false narrative that came from a stolen legacy about white greatness. Mm. Everything mm. that white people have been teaching, I'm going to say 99% of what they teach their children about who invented this and who's the father of this and the mother of that, almost all of it is a lie. Black people are the fathers and mothers of all art, science, and civilization. So if they can walk with this much pride Mm -hmm. off of a false narrative, what would happen to the little black brother, little, 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 little black sister that actually got the true story? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have false pride. They'd have real pride. Mm -hmm. So we got we have that job. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I got a two quick just quick question. I know you okay. gotta go. We at that hour and it'll be real quick. So um you are very, you know, you you very seem you very, you seem in tune with uh culture, especially hip hop. What music you listen to? Well, I I mean I do. I do listen to, to hip hop. Okay. And uh, you know, I'm not getting ready to tell you that I listen to uh, no, everything is not gospel rap. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, All right. I have a confession, but <laughs> uh, I do listen to conscious rap okay. a mm-hmm. lot nice. because I, I want something that is going to feed purpose. Gotcha. Not mm-hmm. just feed, not just entertain. But I also, uh, I listen to, I guess you can call it the hip hop that has a warrior element to it. Gotcha. You know, there's some people that rap that don't have enough testosterone in the music. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't like that. I got you. Because that doesn't feed purpose. Gotcha. But warfare does because we are in a war and we're going to have to fight gotcha. for what we want. Spiritually and mentally, emotionally, socially, and one day physically, it's going to be a fight. Gotcha. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I listen to Rick Ross. Meek Mills, okay. you know Ti. My, you know, I, mean, I figured, man. My, you, theme, you, my theme music you, is you, "Ambitions of a Rider." <laughs> Tupac. That's my theme. That's my theme song. You, you on point with culture. I said he listen to hip hop, man. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. And that's, um, you know, I I do. You know, and, gotcha. I, and I do. I I just try not to go too much on it because there's a lot of things in it that can damage you. Gotcha. And gotcha. Uh, have you. It installs commands into your mind gotcha. and will have you drawn on uh, lyrics accidentally on purpose mm-hmm. in your own brain mm-hmm. to solve problems. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. You know, it ain't, it ain't always time to smoke nobody and whoop nobody, and it ain't, it ain't that time. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I do. Okay. I do. But I, my primarily, I, I primarily I tell people I go to Treadmill. Uh, and Stairmaster University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I go, <laughs> which means I listen to more lectures yeah. by the minister uh, and audio books uh, than I do music. music. Okay. I study while I exercise. And by listening to the word of God, 
in my mind, I'm saying, well, I'm exercising, but I'm also exorcising yeah. at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And right. uh, so, but every every now and then, you know, I got speakers in the Jeep. I got speakers in my other car. And <laughs> Throw some of that Kendrick it's, it's, Lamar in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then you, I mean, you got J. Cole, you got, yeah, you got Kendrick yeah, Lamar, yeah. You, you you got... I mean, I like I like the roots. I like to, I'm I'm you know okay diversified portfolio. Man, I, 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 I knew it was man. <laughs> the, yeah, I, I knew. And then last, real quick, uh, and again, um, I I read somewhere uh, uh, the the fruit of Islam. You know the the security and everything like that. I read somewhere that the the Secret Service comes to you guys to train. I I would say that they may not. They don't come to us. Okay. To train, but they actually they they do study us, Struck it. man, yeah, and yeah. they don't have they don't have a need to lose their pride, okay, yeah. and make a public display. I got you. of okay. actually coming to sit down and be taught. Yeah, they have enough surveillance equipment, and they yeah. have access to all of yeah. our codes yeah. and all of our yeah. um, systems of discipline yeah. that they can employ it uh, without doing so. Yeah. That same article it said you guys are the highest level of security in the world well they whoever wrote the article is accurate and and, <laughs> and, and I'm say, let me say why and not because i'm a member of it yeah, 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 yeah but yeah. because we don't carry weapons yes yeah. see when whenever you can reach down for a baton or reach down for pepper spray or reach down for a gun it stops you from reaching up for intelligence but when you can't reach down for a gun, a baton, or pepper spray. Every scenario you have to reach up for intelligence. So the value of security is not protection. The value of security is prevention. Mm. So so your, your job to provide real security is to figure out how to create an environment that is secure that keeps things from happening. Mm. So because we don't can't reach down we got to reach up so we're not reactive protecting we're proactive preventing and i think that's what puts us in a category uh, of our own we have to use our mind and our mouth to think and communicate in a way that we'll be able to you know create that environment that provides uh security for for yeah yeah that's what i read that that was it was like oh it's deep so but Mr. Nori Muhammad, we are grateful, yes, honored, uh, again, that you took time out of your schedule to come on our platform. And again, we celebrate this 200th episode. Yeah, man. We got Trey. Trey, Trey, what's your, uh, what's, what's the, well, we'll, we'll get his, we'll get all this information so you guys can, we got some visuals coming here too. So, but uh, we thank you. We thank you uh, again. Hopefully one day. We could do part two and I would love part three, that, part man. whatever it is. We can make a regular we, stop here. You I, know? I would love to be, and, you know, please just reach out whenever you all are available. And I'd love to be back on this platform uh, with you all. And I pray that what we shared today will add value to your viewers and your listeners. And, and 
and I look forward to doing it again. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, TC, man, I forgot to ask every pill, everybody, man. Where can they find us, brother? (laughs) (laughs) We went straight to it. Yeah, Yeah, man, it's all good. At Stakes is High Pod. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of our episodes you can find on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or interested in being a guest on the show, please shoot us an email at stakesishighpod at gmail.com. Cheer. Cheer. And <laughs> Mr. Nuri Muhammad, also, mm-hmm. where can they find you? Uh, NuriMuhammad.com if you don't live in Indianapolis. Or come right up here to 38th in Baltimore at 2248 East 38th Street to the mosque. We uh, are, are two blocks uh, west of McDevils. <laughs> three blocks west of Long John Killers <laughs> and seven blocks west of the Murder King right here by 38 and your Popeyes what you call yeah, Popeyes or you can get popped in your eye <laughs> <laughs> down, down the street and yeah. get you some chemically infested steroid infested yeah yeah Make a woman, a man, a woman, chicken. If you wanted that, <laughs> we, we're close to all that. And we really, the closest of all of the spots, uh, if you want to uh, know where we are, we are only a half a block away from the White Casket. Mm. Yeah. White Castle. Yeah, 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 yeah. we just right down. So right here at 38th in Baltimore, if you're in Indianapolis. If you're not, uh, NuriMuhammad.com is the easiest way to get in touch with me. All right. That chicken sandwich hidden, though. I'm on all social media, too. <laughs> so just look up Nuri Muhammad. If you Google that name, you know, you'll, you'll find me on Instagram, Twitter, yeah. uh, Facebook. So we, we're, we're there. Yeah, you know, and, and he will respond. I mean, you know, I reached out and just like that, same day, and we got this set up. And, I, again, I said I appreciate you. Yes, sir. And thank you for having us. Thank you, sir. All Sophie. right, all right. Yes. Hey, thank you guys for listening. Stakes is High Podcast. Peace. Peace. Thank you, all brothers. Uh,